to Totalis Rankium. This week, Theodora. Well, welcome to Roman Empress. This has Rankium. I am Jamie. And I'm Rob. Ranking all of the Empress from Augustus to Constantine 11. And this is episode 119, Theodora. <gasps> that sounds and female. It is female. A female. Um, what's this, Jamie? Ooh. Ooh. I've, I've noticed a button on the side of our recording device. It says improve sound quality. Oh, yeah. Press it. See what happens. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, look, look at that. That sounds amazing. Oh, why didn't we press that the, like three years ago? Oh. <laughs> all the, and all the money was spent on other recording equipment as well. We just needed to press the... Bu- oh. The make better button. <laughs> uh, yes, new sound. I'm excited. Yeah, sounds really good. Yeah, we've already used this for Lincoln's episode mm-hmm. that was released last week. But uh, here we go. Improved sound. In the Emperor series. And what when we thought, what better way to crack open the new equipment with an amazing Emperor, Empress Theodora. Yeah. Who goes down in history as one of the greats. No. no. No, in fact, quite often isn't in the list of Emperors. There's a Theodora that is always listed, but it's not this one. Oh, that's depressing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I really did debate on whether to include Theodora or not. Uh, but as you can see, I decided to in the end. Well done. Yeah. Break that stereotype. Well, she was a regent. Uh, because if you remember at the end of last episode, Michael III is only a little babble. Mm-hmm. So I mean, he can't rule on his own. And um, yeah, so Theodora is ruling as regent. But this does open the can of worms. Why are we doing an episode on it? Yeah. We didn't do an episode on Gala Placidia at the end of the last series. And she was a regent to Valentinian III, which I'm sure you remember. Oh, of course. Yeah. Oh, of course, yeah. She's the one who married Atulf. Oh, the uh, barbarian guy. Yeah, and then married Constantius III, who we were very impressed with. Hmm. So, I mean, that's a good point. Maybe she should have got an episode. But I don't know, she just didn't seem like... The, everyone was the power behind the throne at that point. So was Theodora... I mean, I'm sure we'll go into it, but was she crowned or was she just a, a caretaker? Well, arguably for having an episode on Theodora. She definitely rules in her own right for several years, as we'll find okay. out. Um, and she made significant changes for the Empire when she did so. Mm. And also, Irene's kind of opened the floodgates. The Empire has now been ruled by a woman, so it's easier to see Theodora as a ruler. Yes. Yeah. So um, I guess other people would have as well. Yeah. And let's face it, if she was an uncle who was the regent for several years, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. He'd just get an episode because he was clearly ruling. Mm-hmm. He'd just be called emperor. Yeah. Yeah. So, so okay. I'm giving her an episode. All right. Let's I do am. it. Let's do it. Yeah. So there we go. Before we start, though, we have a scene. Ooh, this feels American-y. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Um, or like it. But I, when I found this out, it's like, I've got to put this in at the start. Okay. So picture the scene. Got it. Good. That's impressive. <laughs> yeah. What's it look like? Uh, dark. Stony and uh, a bit dark, maybe. Yeah. Imagine some light coming through some windows. Oh, nice. Yeah. Imagine some monks walking through the corridors. Like an old, like like a monk corridor. I know I'm trying to say, like a monkery? I don't know what you call it. <laughs> yes, a monkery. That's what they're called. Um, so these monks are walking through the monkery uh, down the stone hall. They're talking about someone. He's just woken up. It's a miracle that they survived. Ooh. Yeah. They all thought he was dead. But no. Here he is. He's awake. They reach a door. One of them opens the door and there, sitting in the bed covered in bandages is none other 
than Manuel. Do you remember last time Manuel had charged oh, into the battle? Yeah. Yeah. And oh. then he died. His heroic he's, death. He's not dead. He's not dead. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Oh, that's quite cool. It's like, well, that's got to start this episode. Yeah. The big reveal. Manuel's still alive. Oh. He's still got his moustache. Still got his small it's black like cigarettes. Half, so. Yeah, yeah. It's missing half of his moustache, but yeah, cigarette. Yeah, there you go. Hello, monsieur. <laughs> I can't remember the accent I gave him before. So um, he's it, now French. No, no, that, that's pretty much it. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's the only one I can do. I, I remember his, his last words were, you will always be met emperor. And then he died. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so or not go. die. But, he... Or not die passed out for a little bit yeah with the pain yeah sources differ on whether he died or not right uh so i killed him off last week i did actually mention some people say he survived uh but i killed him off thinking it's a better story if he dies now but then doing my research this week i realized there was a way to bring him back yes uh, because that scene's not made up that is actually from the sources okay oh wow he was in a monkery or whatever they're called um, <laughs> and yeah he was close to death and he was being looked after by the monks. That is fantastic. Yeah, but we'll get back into that as we get closer. Do you think historians do that? It's like, Queen Victoria died. No, she's back! <laughs> she was coming back to sort out Brexit. Oh, I... I Reclaim any, the Empire, part two. <laughs> any day now, it's going to happen. Yeah. Right, anyway, Theodora, our second female emperor. Yes. Um, your hope's high? No, from what you told me, no. <laughs> yeah, I have told Jamie it's a fairly short episode, but uh, we'll see. Right, Theodora, born in around 815 in Paphlagonia, which is in the top middle of Anatolia. Okay. So, Where's Anatolia? Turkey. Okay. Yeah. So where is Constant Constantinople? Constantinople, top left corner. Of Turkey. Anatolia. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Just, just making sure. Yeah, yeah. So we've gone, what, 119 episodes now, and I thought, it's probably a bit too late to ask, but (laughs) I have no shame. I'll ask. Yeah, Theodora was born to Marinos. Good name. And Theoctisty, which is a hard to say name. Theoctisty. 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 Sounds like a game, like a really technical game you'd buy. (laughs) Yes, it does. There's a Theoctistos later on. Not related, apparently. No. Yeah, so... um, Just a fashionable name. Yeah. Anyway, Marinos was a high-up officer in the Roman army, and Theoctisti was presumably from an aristocratic family in the region. These two have six children, including two sons, one called Bardos. He comes into it quite a bit. Good name. And, uh... Patronus. Patronus. Yeah. Yeah, he also comes back into it as well. Was he glowing in a bit a bit like a like a deer? Yes, he did. Uh, and then obviously Theodora was one of the children as well. Marinos, the father, also had a brother, Manuel. Manuel. Same Manuel. Same Manuel. Oh wow. Yeah, nice. we're, we're in that family. Cool. Yeah. So it links to the start and everything. <laughs> You're weirdly French, Manuel. <laughs> in fact, uh, we... go back to the start and imagine Manuel in that monkery, just saying, send word to my brother, I'm still alive. And then then we, that's a good link, isn't it? It's a good segue. Yeah. He needs to say that bit again, though. Why? That's not his voice. Oh, right. Say it in your voice, then. Uh, send word to my brother, mon ami. I am still alive. But I've just realised in that time in the narrative, his brother Marinos would be dead. But if he is dead, (laughs) tell my sister. My niece. My niece. Yes. (laughs) 
Yeah. So I hope that's clear. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's straightened it out a lot. <laughs> right. We know nothing of Theodora's childhood. All we know is that when she was around 15, what with her family ties to the Imperial family, she was selected as Bride for the Emperor. Wonderful. Yeah. How she was selected is up to debate. Well, she obviously got a say in it. That's how it worked back then. <laughs> well, um, yeah, I mean, for a start, we've got the problem of timing. I mean, literally everything in this period of, as I mentioned last week, it's just very debatable when things happened. No one can seem to agree. So, again, word of warning, I've gone for one chronology of what could have happened, but it may have played out differently. It would appear that Theophilus's stepmother, if you remember the granddaughter of Irene, had oh, organised yeah. a bridal show. <laughs> Which sounds... Like a nice thing until you realise what it is. Cattle market. Yeah. yeah. Theodora, if she was not already in the capital, would have travelled to the capital. And once there, she was led into a room where she stood with several other young women, awkwardly milling around. Yeah. Then on a sound, maybe a trumpet, maybe a clap of hands. I was expecting something shorter. Uh, but yeah. So is Emperor. Yeah, maybe it was that. Uh, everyone lined up and in walked the Emperor himself. Either a 15, 16-year-old or someone in his mid-twenties. We went for mid-twenties. Yeah. Yeah. Makes more sense. And now we have two versions on what happened. The first is that Theophilus entered the room with a golden apple in his hand. As in a golden delicious or an actual golden apple maybe it's a translation issue but uh, i got the impression an actual golden apple that's cool expensive expensive or just one painted gold yeah yeah gold leaf sort of thing yeah, yeah maybe anyway he's got that and he starts walking up and down the young women and then he stopped in front of a poet called cassia he said to her that evil had come to man through a woman Referring to Adam and Eve. That makes sense. Yeah, the, the whole apple thing. Yeah. yeah. Cassia paused for a moment and then replied that better things also came from a woman. I imagine there was a bit of a pause whilst everyone tried to figure out what she was talking about and then someone like coughed and nodded towards the statue of the Virgin Mary. And ah. So, oh, yeah, I got course. it now. And then they hastily took the Virgin Mary statue away because no one's supposed to have icons. Yeah, yeah. Well, what's it doing there? That was an oversight. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Burn them. <laughs> yeah. So um, apparently Theophilus wasn't too keen by this response, this uh, uppity woman getting one up on him in this conversation. Yeah. So he moved on to the next woman, who happened to be Theodora, and offered her the apple instead. Aww. Possibly still just staring at Cassia, shaking his head. <laughs> so there you go, that's story number one. Nice. Uh, story number two is that Theophilus came into the room and presented every single woman with a real apple. Right. Kind of, thank you for coming all this way. It must have been a long journey. Anyone want an apple? Got a whole bunch of apples. Sounds like The Bachelorette. Have you ever watched that show or seen it? <laughs> no. Um, so this one guy basically spends six weeks in, this, in a mansion with the, all these women trying to be his uh to get engaged with and right. they have a they have something called a rose ceremony yeah where if you get a rose you can stay until next week if you don't get a rose you have to bugger off back home basically right okay and it feels a bit like that it Just does like feel giving a bit apples. like that. you may have an apple you may stay yeah you don't get an apple you go home yeah no it sounds very much like that which is a sad indictment on 
our society nowadays. It really is, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. People look back in history and say how awful these are, and yet we still do it for fun nowadays. Yeah, I mean, it's probably a bit less brutal, but uh, yeah. in some ways they get public ridicule, I guess, which is... Okay. <laughs> We're horrible people. Yeah, we are. Mm. Anyway, everyone gets an apple, though. Yay, Yay. that's good. <laughs> Swings and roundabouts. However, when Theodora is given her apple, she whips out her own apple, that is. Right. Yeah, so she's got two. Apparently, a monk had given her an apple earlier and prophesied that she would be the one selected. Theophilus isn't going to go around ignoring two apples. He's not that kind of man. Oh, well, no. So he, he chooses her there and then. That seems ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, both stories seem a bit odd, but I'll let you choose which one you prefer. Um, We'll go with the first one. Yeah. The second one's sort of more fun in a way, but it just makes the emperor look ridiculous and stupid. Yeah. Yeah, go go with the first. We'll go for the first then. Yeah, I mean, whether this happened or not is doubtful. Many historians have said that this is a fabrication. <laughs> yeah. The bridal shows never actually took place in the Roman Empire. Oh, really? These were made up at, at a later time. However, apparently it's becoming more and more popular with historians recently, as in within the last... 30, 40 years to suggest, actually, no, there is evidence that these happened. So, um, yeah. That's interesting. Considering the only other option is we have no idea how they met or got married, uh, I'd say we go for it, because that way we've got a story. Yeah, that'll do. Yeah, that'll do. <laughs> and of course, let's not forget, Theodora was the niece of Manuel. And Manuel, according to our timeline, is currently with the Caliphate. Yeah. You remember John the Grammarian went over to get him back? Yes. Yes. And John the Grammarian, we theorised, said something along the lines of, if you come back and lead our armies, it's fine, we're, we'll marry you into the family, the emperor will marry your niece. Yes. So maybe something like that happened. That probably did. Yeah. Either way, Theodora is now engaged to the emperor. They were married in the Hagia Sophia. Aww. Which is nice. They dressed up the goats as well. Yeah. Little hats on. Yeah. <laughs> they were happy. That's not so happy they stopped pulling. No, they had to that, keep That would be disastrous, but they were happy. <laughs> yeah. It is presumed that Theodora's father was dead by this time, but her mother, Theoctisty, was uh, given patrician status and a place to live in the capital. That's a nice little social upgrade. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The rest of the family also were given official jobs, including Bardos and Patronos. Oh, okay. Now, we have very little on what Theodora's life was like after this, but we get some hints that it wasn't particularly pleasant. Hmm. One of the earliest stories is about Theophilus looking out of the windows of the palace and seeing this magnificent ship sailing towards the capital. This was a ship unlike he'd ever seen before. It was really fancy. Pearlescent paint, so it like Ooh. changed colour. Oh, yeah. went from like a blue to a green. Yeah, and then lights like at the bottom, so it glowed. Oh. And, um, and a woofer system in the back. Yeah, and <laughs> like a suspension system, so it could just move up and down in the water. <laughs> Wouldn't yeah. even feel the waves. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that sounds terrible. Uh, <laughs> that was the kind of thing Theophilus liked, though. He was impressed. Yeah. Yeah. Want to get me one of those? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just hear it slowly coming towards the <laughs> palace. What is that noise? It's bright light over the horizon <laughs> flashing to the beats of the music. Uh, he was so impressed that he decided to head down to the docks and see what on earth this ship was all about. So he turned up and uh, everyone was very shocked and surprised. There they were just doing their job, taking in the cargo and doing other Dockland type stuff. Hoisting the mainframe. Do you do that when you're out at sea? Or do you do that, that on the on the dock? I don't know what a mainframe is. No, not do I. 
something to do with a, I imagine that's something to do with a sail. Yeah. I don't know. Well, someone's hoisting that. Yeah. Yeah. Timbers had to be shivered. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, Lands had to be lubbed. Yeah, exactly. So they're, they're all just getting on yeah, with yeah. their, their sailor-type jobs as they were docking, and suddenly yeah. the emperor turns up. Holy moly. Yeah. Someone's trying to straighten up their... Um, rigging. Their rigging, yeah, making it look nice, dusting down the, the edge. Polishing the barnacles. <laughs> they stop doing that immediately. That's uh, <laughs> personal time later. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, Theophilus comes along and asked the men who were obviously working on this ship uh, who the ship belonged to. Get the impression the sailors all kind of shuffle to one side until there's just one man left who's forced to reply. <laughs> uh, who reluctantly replied that the ship belonged to the emperor's wife, Theodora. Oh. Yeah. Theophilus was outraged, and I quote here, my wife is turning me into a shipping magnet. Theophilus was outraged that Theodora had set up a shipping business. Oh. Yeah. All right. The royal family doesn't get involved in business. Ah. I mean, this goes back to the Republican days. If you're a man of means, then you don't get grubby and earn money. You you live a life with money and you serve the Republic or the Empire by getting into politics. So by this point, the royal family just could not get involved no. in business. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so Theophilus ordered that the ship be set aflame immediately. No. Yeah. But sir, the woofers, <laughs> the woofers. Apparently he did relent slightly. He said that he would give enough time for all the people unloading the ship to get off. <laughs> <laughs> all hearty, wasn't he? <laughs> Which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then, with the ship up in flames, he stormed back to the palace and threatened Theodora that he would see her executed before she dragged the royal family so low. Oh, he did not like that boat, did he? No. Jealousy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there you go. That's the kind of marriage that they had. Oh, good. Yeah. Uh, another source of tension was Theodora's religious beliefs. Oh, was she a, a, a kind of file? Yes. We did mention this slightly last time. If you remember, Theodora's mother was a firm iconophile, and uh, that rubbed off on Theodora herself. And as her husband pushed iconoclasm more and more, the risk of embarrassment to the royal family heightened. If Theodora's beliefs were found out, it would again cause huge embarrassment. So, Theodora assured her husband that she was not using idols. You don't need to worry. I know what my mother says, but it's fine. You will never be embarrassed by me. But that was not the truth. (gasps) No. Because the boats had secret massive icons in them. (laughs) Yes. The masts were just giant statues of Mary. Yeah, the figurehead on the front. Yeah. Yeah. Now... In the palace, there was a eunuch named Denderus, and I'll quote here, He said such odd things that people laughed at him. He was maintained in the palace to entertain people. More like a clown. Yes, he's also described as deformed and simple. Oh. Yeah, you just get the impression this is a, a poor guy who's struggling a bit, and uh, people just laugh at him. Unpleasant. And he's kept as the court fool. Oh. Yeah. Again, very medieval. We've had jousting last week. Yeah, gosh. We've got fools this week. We're getting yeah. very medieval. Anyway. I'd love pointy shoes soon. <laughs> yes. One day, Dendrus burst into Theodora's chambers, as he did. He often was running around the palace, uh, only to see Theodora kissing 
an icon. Sure, it wasn't like the head Praetorian Guard or something. <laughs> it's definitely an icon. It's an icon. Well, seeing the danger, Theodora persuaded Denderus that these were just dolls. They weren't like icons of Mary or anything. Yeah. It's just dolls, and she loved the dolls very much. Denderus then fled the room and sought the Emperor. Theophilus asked Denderus where he'd been, and Denderus replied that he'd been with Mama and she was kissing her dolls. Now, Theophilus understood what this meant immediately. Outrage stormed towards Theodora's rooms and demanded to know what the hell was going on. I, I, I like your idea. I think the Praetorian Prefect's under the bed at this point. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Or just standing stock still, or slouched on a chair, like pretending, yeah. It's my mannequin. Yes, I love this mannequin. Well, Theodora replied to Theophilus, O Emperor, you have misunderstood. The truth is not as you perceive it. I was looking at myself in the mirror, attended by my handmaids. Denderus saw the faces reflected in the mirror, and from that he witlessly came and reported to you what he said. So, yeah, the man's a fool. He saw a reflection in the mirror and um, <laughs> thought that it was an icon. Yeah, Theophilus doesn't believe this for a moment, no. but decides not to push it. It's like his wife's come up with a plausible excuse, sort of. And it could be real. Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous, but you yeah. never know. If, if I force this issue, then the embarrassment will be caused. So, okay, let it slide. But he wasn't happy, and he seethed about it for weeks. No. Then, one day, a peeved Theophilus asked Denderus if his wife was still kissing dolls. Yeah. Denderus replied, Hush, Emperor, hush! Not a word about the dolls! And then ran off. <laughs> yeah. So, obviously, Theodora had schooled him well. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, those are two stories we get about their marriage. We get the impression that it was um, a political marriage and there wasn't much love there. None at all. Well, hopefully there was at least some, because during her time as consort, she had seven children. Wow. Yeah. Constantine, as we saw last time, died young, apparently drowning in a cistern. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> we decided that was suspicious. Yes. After this, she had five daughters, Thecla, Anna, Anastasia, Pulcheria, and Maria, who also died young, unfortunately. Ah. And then, after about ten years of marriage, Theodora gave birth to another son, Michael, who would become Michael III. Yeah. Theophilus was delighted he now had an heir, and Michael was made Caesar. However, as we saw, Theophilus then became ill. He spoke in front of the Senate and asked the leaders of the city to follow his wife until the boy came of age, and then he died. And that's definitely going to happen. So there you go. Theodora is suddenly left in charge of the Empire. Predictions? I think she's going to find it as tricky as Irene did in terms of she's a woman. Um, you've got, because you mentioned her brothers are going to come back into it at some point, so I imagine they might try and make a play for the throne. Right. Because they might say, but we're bigger, we're older, we could we could rule it better than a little kid could. Um, or literally nothing's going to happen. She'll die and then Michael III will become Emperor. <laughs> she just dies a week later well you said she's regent seven several years so i think just literally it's uneventful okay let's find out shall we yeah theodora fortunately was not all alone she did have some advisors so let's meet the cast shall we and also remind ourselves of some of the key players that we saw last episode now obviously you have theodora as regent and little michael three as emperor yep who's currently about two years old oh yeah the current patriarch is John the Grammarian, which I didn't oh. mention last week, but he was actually made patriarch. Okay. Yeah. So you have the pedant in charge of the religion. Nice. 
Yeah. He is very iconoclast. Yes. Then you have Theodora's family, who, as you mentioned, uh, may be a bit of a problem. You've got Bardos, the brother, leading a faction in court, and also Patronos with him. Then there is an uncle who we've not come across before named Sergios. Sergius. Good name. Yeah. Uh, he was an advisor, but you don't need to think about him too much. Right. Uh, he doesn't come into the story much. Uh, but this person does, a eunuch named Theoctistos. Theoctis, Theoctistos. Theoc, as in T H E O K. Theoc. Theoc. And then T I S T. Tistos. And then O S. Theoctistos. Theoctistos. It's, it's not an easy name to say. Theo. Yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, there is some debate here. But if we can believe Stylitzes, there is also Manuel. We oui, mon ami. Yeah. So, if Manuel is there, and we're saying he's there, let's figure out how it is he came to be on the scene, shall we? Now, according to Stylitzes, Manuel had fallen dangerously ill. So much so, he was believed to be dead. A group of monks <laughs> looked after him, and they promised that they could bring him back to health. He looks very ill, sir. He's got a sword through him. Of course he looks <laughs> ill. Well, no. You see, this is part of our fabrication. According to Stylitzes, he just fell ill. Oh, right. Nothing to do with a battle. So he's about to die. The monks say they can help him out, and he replies with this. And how can this be for me, godly fathers? My mental forces are all gone. My body is wasted away and emaciated. Here I lie, devoid of flesh, a mere skeleton. There is no difference between me and a corpse, except I am breathing. What hope is there? What reason to believe in my recovery and return to my former health? Says the person who apparently can barely talk. <laughs> yes, very eloquent, sir. <laughs> the monks replied, Well, with God, all things are possible, and there is nothing that is impossible. We proclaim the good news that you will live, provided that you endeavour to extinguish the conflagration the enemies of the icons have ignited when you recover your strength, and that you restore the sacred icons to the status they enjoyed in the time of our forefathers. Bring, bring back icons. Yeah, stop being an iconoclast and you'll recover, say the monks. That's, that's, that's dodgy. Eventually, according to Stylitzes, Manuel got better and rode on horseback back to the palace. Yeah. Now, as I said, this story's from Stylitzes, and again, this period is very messed up. So some historians claim that this Manuel with the iconophile views, who advises Theodora, is actually yeah. a different Manuel than the iconoclast who advised Theophilus. No. Or, perhaps, it's actually Sergios. Oh, because miss. there was an uncle Sergios who was an advisor, and maybe yeah. that uncle was taken to be Manuel, even though Manuel's dead, because Manuel's also an uncle. So maybe it's that. Yeah, the sources basically get very confused, and the illness story uh, was used to explain his change of views on iconoclasm by historians is one theory. So why why do we have a Manuel who was iconoclast and one who's iconophile? Maybe he got ill and changed his mind. So essentially it's just historians making stuff up. Yeah, as I said... This Let's just crowbar this story into here, shall we? See if this works. Yeah, pretty much. It's a very... Oh, I love history. It's a very tricky period to get your head around. Yeah, this. yeah It really yeah. is. So... Oh, make up things. To sum up, we have two stories. One, Manuel died after the battle and... It was Sergios who did the later Manuel stuff. That's one theory. Uh, or we have Manuel did not die, became ill, almost died, and changed his views. Now, I'm going to say number one is most likely, so that's yes. the one I was going to go for. 
until I realised, and I haven't seen this version anywhere, but come on, this is obvious. What you can say is that he didn't get ill and almost died. His illness was recovering from the wounds from the battle. Yeah. That way, you get the narrative that we've created. With the sword to him and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And the, yeah. So he saves Theophilus on the battlefield. Yeah. Dies of his wounds, but is taken by a monk to the nearest monkery. Yeah. He recovers, and that's when we get that quote. Yeah. It's pulled the sword out. Yeah. Half his liver. Pop a plaster on. Yeah. So here we go. So we now have a Manuel, yeah. who's now iconophile and advising Theodora. Nice. Which is good. So, here is Theodora, an iconophile, ruling the Empire, surrounded by her iconophile advisors, and they start to think, what's stopping us from um, renouncing iconoclasm? Exactly. Let us ask the Emperor. Emperor, sir, do you think we should bring back iconophilism? Lego. That's a yes. <laughs> well, it was decided a council would be called to discuss whether icons would be a thing or not. Theodora was fairly certain the mood was with her and that this would be passed, but there was one problem. John the Grammarian was the patrician. Mm. And he still hates the icons. Let's hope nothing bad happens to him. Well, it was decided that things would just be a little bit smoother if he were to go away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, Theodora's brother, Bardos, was sent to John's residence to have a word with him. Try and persuade him. Yeah. Maybe go on holiday for a long while. <laughs> However, John had heard that Bardos was coming, and apparently... Had knock, knock, knock. Hello, it's Bardos! <laughs> that was the first clue. Um, yeah, John, according to our source, used lead to cover himself with fake bruises. Because, oh, I guess, lead does stain, doesn't it? Yeah, so he just used the, the lead the oxidization to... oxidization from it. Yeah, stain his, his body to look like he'd been beaten up. Poisonous, though. <laughs> uh, yeah. He wouldn't have known. No. So when Bardos arrived, John was able to claim that he'd been beaten in order to be removed from power. At mm. least, this is the story that comes down to us from the pro-icon sources. I can't help but feel, though, that it is far more likely that Bardos just beat him up and they were actually yeah. real bruises. Yeah, so. yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. So anyway, John is beaten to a pulp and forced out. He's no longer patriarch. The source then goes on to say that John later performed dark magic in a cave underground with a room full of kidnapped nuns that he forced himself upon. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we can kind of discount this source, really. Yeah, I, I, think, I think so. <laughs> but yeah, apparently he had an underground lair. Like an underground sex dungeon for nuns. Yeah. A nungeon. A nungeon. <laughs> That's what he had, apparently. So wow. yeah, he, he's not killed. He's just sent off to his nungeon. Gosh. Yeah. <laughs> what a twist. Who, who saw that coming? <laughs> so, in place of John, a man named Methodios was placed at the head of the church in Constantinople. Then the council was called and it was decided once and for all, right, get this everyone, icons mm. are a thing. <gasps> everyone cheered, they threw hey. the fake moustaches in the air. Jesus is now Jesus! Woo! Yeah. Everyone went, <gasps> statue of Jesus, look! <laughs> Where did that come from? <laughs> so that's great. Iconoclasm is dead. Literally, it does not come back. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, we see pockets of resistance, which we'll see, but it, it's pretty much gone. You can have your statues of Mary now. Oh, yeah. All, all the icons are back. Now, those that pushed for iconoclasm in the past were announced to be heretics. <laughs> Although Theodora was able to keep her husband's name off that list. 
just to make things a bit smoother. Yeah. It doesn't do to call the past emperor a heretic no. when his son is only a few years old and yeah. heir to the throne. Mm. Not heir, even actual emperor. But yeah. 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 Um, so <laughs> that's just politely ignored. However, this did not mean that all the iconoclasts disappeared, and soon enough, an iconoclast pushback started. There was a faction in the church who were trying their very hardest to pull down Methodios, yeah. get him fired from being the patriarch, and put an iconoclast back in place. One day, a woman came forward and announced that the new patriarch had forced himself upon her. Must be a thing with patriarchs. Yeah. Now, the power of the faction against Methodios was strong enough that a tribunal was set up. Ah. This was a big event, and soon enough, everyone in the church, and those who were not, were all talking about this. Well, they, they would be. These dodgy patriarchs we keep getting. <laughs> yes. Did you hear? The last one had a nungeon. <laughs> yeah, Methodius wasn't the most popular of people. He was obviously hated by the iconoclasts. Mm. But also, many extreme iconophiles didn't like him either, because they didn't think he was doing enough to punish iconoclasts. Wow. Yeah, so many wanted to see him fall. The trial started. I'm picturing that it's happening in the Hajj Sophia, even though there is no record for that. Yeah. I just want a nice big room. Yeah, yeah. Lots of pointing, shouting. Yeah. The goat's looking nervous. Or they're wearing those like, white wig things. Yes. <laughs> so the trial starts. The woman was brought forward and explained to all those watching what had happened to her. It was a graphic description, and things looked very bad for Methodios. But then Methodios stood up to defend himself. And I'm just going to quote what happened because I could not tell this story in a better way oh, brilliant. than Stylitzis does. Without paying any attention to the crowd, Methodios shook off his garments. Yeah, that's right. He stood up, and he just threw open his robe and just stood there naked. You're not helping yourself here. <laughs> this is what got you into this position, Methodios. Put your clothes back on. <laughs> and I'll carry on the quote here. And this man, who was worthy of all respect and honour, exposed his private parts to the gaze of all onlookers. It was now revealed to everyone that his genitals were atrophied by some disease and totally incapable of performing their natural function. So basically he had, he had rotten balls. Yeah, it's, it's like it completely just... Shriveled up. Yeah, stumpy. Ooh. Yeah, nasty. Mm. Just imagine everyone's reaction. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Oh, liar! <laughs> Shock ran through the tribunal, and those on Methodius's side started to cheer, and again I'll quote, they rushed upon him with uncontrollable glee. <laughs> Embracing and hugging him, they were simply unable to control their excessive joy. Still got the image of naked patriarch in the middle of just a scrum of people cheering. Yeah, yeah. Like lifting him up on to their shoulders, throwing him in the air. <laughs> Goat's looking very shocked by this. Yeah. Ooh, we don't know where to look. One of them stops pulling and the, the whole dome starts to vibrate slightly. <laughs> Big crack appears in that wall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, obviously, Methodios is, uh, is able to prove his innocence in this case. Yeah. Later on, Methodios was asked, what, what on earth happened to you? Yeah, good question. <laughs> like, well, why Why are they all shriveled up? So, Methodios recalled what had happened. Uh, he had been sent to Rome not too long ago to go and talk to the Pope. Hmm. And whilst he was in Rome, and I'll let him continue the story, and I'll quote here, 
While I was staying there, I was harassed by the demons of fleshy desire. Prostitutes. <laughs> yeah. Day and night, day after day, it never stopped titillating me and inciting me to the desire for sexual congress. It's like, Methodius, if you do hire rooms in a brothel... So <laughs> yeah, you, you, yeah. You should have checked TripAdvisor before you go. <laughs> it's not a B&B. <laughs> I was so inflamed that I knew it was nearly all over for me, so I entrusted myself to Peter, the chief apostle, begging him to relieve me of fleshy appetites. <laughs> Coming to me by night... He burnt my genitals by applying his right hand to them, assuring me that henceforth I would no longer be troubled by the appetite for carnal delight. Awakening in considerable pain, I found myself to be in the condition which you have witnessed. He caught herpes, didn't he? <laughs> Probably, yes. But this sounds so much better. Yeah, it does. Peter came and grabbed me <laughs> with a red hot right hand. <laughs> Hence the uh, phrase red right hand. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, there you go. That was an interesting trial. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. The woman was then questioned, unfortunately. Oh when I say questions, uh, swords and barbed hooks are mentioned in the sources. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she quickly told them that she had been paid to say what she said, and that the gold would be found in her house nearby. Men were sent, and soon returned with the gold. So, the last attempts of iconoclasm were defeated. Oh dear. We have to win something by lying, then. Yeah. Never really won, have you? That's the moral of that story. Yes. That and... Ask Peter for help if you uh, don't have any cold showers around. And if you do need to go to Rome, make sure it's a B&B, <laughs> yes. not a brothel. However, there are some other things that worried Theodora. The Caliphate and the Bulgars had suddenly noticed that a woman and a child were in charge of the Roman Empire. Ooh. Yeah, they said. Um, and they weren't about to let such an opportunity pass. Now, unfortunately, this is where details become incredibly sketchy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it would appear that shortly after the downfall of Iconoclasm, the eunuch Theoctetos became Theodora's most powerful advisor. He was the one who led the forces against the Caliphate. However, due to a later realignment on who's in charge, which we'll see later on, Michael and Theodora's reigns are very poorly recorded. Right. As in, bits are airbrushed out on purpose. Anything oh. that makes them look good, basically, All right. is airbrushed out. Uh, so there is no Roman record whatsoever of the fighting that took place between the Romans and the Caliphates. There are some Caliphate sources, so we can just about piece together yeah. that uh, Theodora ordered Theoctetos to get Crete back. Remember, Crete's gone. It's a pirate paradise. Mm. And there's some evidence that Theoctetos actually got Crete back no, for good. a while, but then lost it. Yeah. So fighting goes on in Crete. There's also evidence of a raid in Egypt that took place, and Romans actually raided Egypt, burnt down lots of supply stores, and got out again, yeah, which would have been interesting if we had the details on that, but unfortunately yep. we don't. Oh. Yeah. Now, while these raids and skirmishes were going on, Theodora was dealing with those in her empire that was not too happy with the return of icons. Not so much the iconoclasts, but instead a group which we have mentioned before, but this was ages ago, the Paulicians. The Paulicians were a sect of Christians who lived in the empire, who weren't only iconoclast, but were, ready for this, 
Monophysites. Monophysites? Oh, yes. I haven't heard them for a while. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're extinct. Everyone was too busy arguing about the icons, and now someone points out, actually, we've still got some monophysites hanging around. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought we killed all those off. Yeah. So Theodora released a decree announcing that Paulicians needed to announce their faith on pain of death. Ooh, okay. And this is where it gets a little bit purgy, unfortunately. Yeah, the result was thousands of people executed due to their religion because the Paulicians weren't ones to say, yeah, okay, we renounce our faith. Yeah. Anyway, a few years pass, and Michael III grew, and he became ever closer to Bardos. There was little Theodora could do as two factions start to develop in the court. Theoctetos and Theodora on one side, Michael III and Bardos on the other. Also, oh, son against mother. Yeah. How old is he at this point? He's he's getting into his teens. Ah, okay. Yeah. So sulky. Yeah. This these two factions develop, and then a couple of years later, Theodora is horrified to learn that her son has taken on a mistress at the age of fifteen. Hmm. A girl around his age called Eudocia Ingerina or Ingerina. Ingerina had come from an iconoclast family and was possibly the daughter of a man high up in the army who came from the land of the North. The North. The North. North. Either the Rus or Scandinavia. The Rus. Is that yeah. modern-day Russia? Yes. <laughs> we are talking Vikings, Jamie. Vikings? Yes. Oh, this yes. This is the first mention of a Viking. That, oh, wow. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Vikings. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, we're, we're still early days, but, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a hint for things to come. We're going to see some more Vikings. Yay! Yeah, so that's interesting. Yeah. Anyway, her son, the Emperor, is, is dating a half-Viking. That is amazing. Yeah, that's not what she wants. No. No. So, Theodora, realising she's going to lose all power and also possibly have all her work done if Michael III marries an iconoclast, decided to intervene. Hmm. So, if we can believe the sources, she sets up a bridal show. Again, whether this happened is wildly disputed, but whether in a show or otherwise, it would appear that Theodora was able to arrange a different marriage for her son with Eudocia. Handy that she had the same name. Yeah. So, uh, Michael doesn't need to worry about getting the names wrong, if he has an affair. <laughs> or just say, it's the same person. Yeah. <laughs> got the same name. Like, like you do with your child if the hamster dies, you just go out and get another hamster. Yes. Yeah. But Daddy, it's a different colour. No, it's the same hamster. Same, same hamster. Still called Snuffles. There's a dead one there. No, no. 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 That, was a, that was a rat we killed. Yes, this is your Snuffles. So yeah, she was like that. Yeah. No, this is your Eudocia. She looks about ten years older. Why is that Viking helmet? <laughs> Michael apparently ignored this Eudocia pretty much completely, hmm. but the marriage was indeed arranged. If Theodora thought she would be able to control her son for much longer, however, she was very much mistaken. One day she received word that Theoctetos had been seized by her son and thrown into the prison that was in the passage system that joined the palace to the Hippodrome. Right. Apparently he had been walking through the palace when her son had appeared and shouted, and I quote, Seize him! Good quote there. That's a good quote. Yeah, yeah actually happens. <laughs> uh, Theotitos had turned to run, hoping to get out of the palace, but Michael and Bardos had planned for this. Theotitos's route was blocked with soldiers. Bardos himself approached the eunuch with his sword drawn and ordered him to be thrown into the cells. Oh. Once 
this story had been related to Theodora, she rushed off to rescue her advisor. However, when she arrived, she was turned away by the guards, somewhat rudely. Yes, she was the mother of the emperor. Yes, she was the regent. But they had orders from Michael himself. Hmm. So she could do nothing. Speculating here slightly, but perhaps she called for Manuel at this point. Because we know he turns up shortly afterwards, and it would make sense. Uh, Manuel's kind of taken a back seat in the story for a while. Yeah, I've heard of him. So I, I, I think she probably called for Manuel at this point. Manuel! <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, however, a new order arrived at the prison from Michael. Kill Theoctetos. Oh, the guards entered his cell. Theoctetos managed to block the first sword blow with a wooden bench. However, the second stab towards his stomach hit home, and he was killed there and then. Oh. By this point, Manuel had arrived at the palace, and he went straight to see Bardos, perhaps trying to ease tensions between his niece and nephew. Yeah, calm down, guys. He said to Bardos, and I quote here, To slay Theoctetos, you bared the sword. Prepare yourself for slaughter day by day. You're opening a can of worms here. Yeah. Do you really want to do this? Despite the warning, however, Bardos continued. He and Michael III's faction had won, and without Theoctetos to block things, Bardos promoted himself, and Theodora was confined to the palace. Oh. Theodora did not take this well, and I'll quote her, She ran around with her hair down and filled the palace with lamentation, hurling reproaches and curses at both her son and her brother, calling down a similar death upon them. She realised it was only a matter of time before they came to her. Again, I'll quote, This she perceived... For she was able to observe and conjecture some wonderful sexism from stylists yeah. there. <laughs> she could see and work things out. <laughs> Unusual for a woman, but there you go. <laughs> yeah. So, there's only one thing she can do. Oh, she's going to kill herself, isn't she? No. Or break out. Plot and break out. No. Rambo style. <laughs> that would have been great. She went to the Senate. Well, she's locked in a room. She was confined to the palace, but they met. Ah, yeah, okay. so she was able to get to the, the Senate who were meeting. And also, this is now a couple of years later. We've skipped quite a bit there. So she, she's got yeah. a bit more freedom now. Anyway, she went to the Senate and said thus, Fathers, lying in the imperial treasury, there are 1,900 centenarii of gold and about 3,000 of silver, which my husband acquired or which I was able to accumulate after his death in addition to many other assets of various kinds. I am communicating this information to you so that if my son, your emperor, should claim after I have departed from this palace that I left it destitute of riches, you will not readily believe him. Nice. And then she formally stepped down as regent. Oh. She was kind of parceled off to a monastery, and she lived ten years longer, living long enough to see her son and her brother killed <laughs> yeah. she said and there you go so that's theodora okay didn't do much but no. she did do one big thing iconoclasm finally iconoclasm the icons are back yeah yeah let's rate her Fightiest maximus okay uh, this is hard to judge because we just have so few sources on what was actually going on yeah uh there are hints that theoctetos went off and did a fair amount of fighting under theodora and actually did reasonably well uh, all raids were pushed back some land was reclaimed but then lost like cyprus uh crete. crete yeah however broad strokes nothing much changes no no so a lot of political fighting, though, you could argue. In terms of she, the fact she was able to stay in control for at least a couple of years is 
Yeah. Noteworthy. Yeah. Um, it's going to be over 10 years, isn't it? Because the sun was yeah, 2 yeah. up to 15. So. Yeah. So I'm... Three. Yeah. It's a shame because there's so few, few details. Uh, but just for managing to survive as a regent in a, a time that, where that was next to impossible as a woman. Yeah. She's got to get some points for that. And for the rumours of the... Uh, the successes. Yeah, I'm going to join you there, three. So, six. Um, the persecution of the Paulicians was not good. No. No, in um, fact, this is the uh, worst religious persecution since Galerius and Dyer. Oh, wow. Uh, the Diocletian persecution. Yeah, okay. Yeah, uh, th- this was full-on, let's go and kill thousands upon thousands of people just because they have a different religious belief. Uh, apparently, it's the Christian way. <laughs> some were executed by the sword, some were drowned in mass drownings, some were hung, and some were crucified. Wow, I haven't seen that for a while. Yeah. We don't have many details, but this isn't good. No. <laughs> those people who survived were um, spread around the empire and weren't allowed to continue openly practicing their religions. So um, that's not good. No. Yeah. Mm. But apart from that, nothing. I've just got to get a good, only a healthy five or six for that. Big persecution. Yeah. yeah. Can't go into detail, but if you just remember all the stuff Galerius and uh, Dyer got up to, yes. it will have been similar to that. We just don't have the details. So, yeah, I'm going to go for five as well. I've gone for six. Okay. Okay, then. Eleven. Success. Okay, I mean, there's the big one. She put an end to iconoclasm. Yeah. Which is great if you loved icons. <laughs> but not if you you don't. But if you hated icons, that's awful. Damn it. Yeah. So it's a hard one to judge. It does appear that there were more iconophiles at this time than iconoclasts, and that was more of a minority in power that were pushing iconoclasm. Hmm. Uh, but it's hard to give her lots of points. Although she wanted to do it, and she successfully did it. So I think she deserves something. And it does have reaching implications. Oh, yeah, yeah. Forever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's it, right? So it's a big shift in uh, religious politics. So there's that. Also, she managed to build the treasury. Oh. Yeah. If you remember last week, we talked about how Theophilus suddenly had loads of gold. Oh, yeah. We don't know really where it came from. Well, it's still coming in. She mentioned mm. at the end there that the treasury was full and mm. don't let my idiot son burn away all the resources. So she built the treasury um, and things seemed relatively peaceful for a fair few years. Now, considering she was a female regent, that's impressive. That is, yeah, because like you said, the caliphate and the Borgars were like, wait, let's, let's go and get me some of that. Yeah, I mean, the Borgars are starting to do things, but I've just left them out of the story this week because we're going to pick it up under Michael next week yeah. uh, rather than split that story. And like I said, we don't have much detail on the caliphate, but she held that back. And that is impressive because they're d- very dominant. Yes, definitely. They could have made a lot of headway into the empire yeah. if they wanted to. So, I mean, there's nothing great, but there's nothing terrible. Oh, she started her own shipping business. <laughs> she did. Uh, that, unfortunately, went up in flames, though. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, I'd say the empire stayed about the same. Yeah. Five. Yeah, I'm going to go down the middle. Five. Image of <laughs> You've drawn someone with big hair. Yeah, and, and eyelashes. Eyelashes and a big smile. Well, that's what she looked like, apparently. Ooh. Big nose. It's a bulbous nose. 
Yeah. That's not really bulb. It's long, droopy. It's a, like a raindrop. Yeah. A big raindrop in the middle of her face. She's got dreadlocks. <laughs> Probably not dreadlocks, but yeah. Beads in her hair. Yeah. Um, big eyes, big crown. Look at that massive crown. It's it's all right. It is a big crown, isn't it, actually? It's got like rabbit ears on the top as well. Yeah, that was a joke. She's got the nice diamond top that lots of uh, emperors wear nowadays. It's it's all right. It's all right, man. Yeah. I'm going to go down the middle again. Five. Yeah, well, to make it easier to divide. <laughs> okay, that's that's 2.5 for Imago Facio. Temple completed. It's going to be around about 13 years. It years. is exactly 13 years. Yes. yes. 842 to 855. She obviously lives longer than that, but that's when she's deposed, so... So that's 0 0.13 for Tempo Completo, which gives her a total score of 29.63. Not quite in the 30s club. No, but almost. Almost in the 30s club. Three, 0.37 away. Yeah, yeah. Not bad. Not great. Meh. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much sums her up, really, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. There were a couple of nice stories in her reign that yeah. we got to share. The return of Manuel was nice, and... Uh, oui, monsieur. Patriarch getting his chaps out, his withered chaps. Yeah. <laughs> um, was good. But uh, no, we've all been there. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, not much was written about her. No. Which what? leads to the question. Do they have a certain genesis? I, I can't. Mm. No. No. I can't see it. No, no. No. Nope. No. Nope. Oh, well. Sorry, Theodora. I'm sure she did a very competent job. She obviously did, 13 years. Yeah, she? yeah. It's uh, But it's not something you'd write about. No. Unless you do a podcast where you do all of them. And there you go. Michael 3 next time. Yeah, he seems like a stuck-up little so-and-so, doesn't he? He's also known as Michael the Drunkard. Brilliant. <laughs> Which I thought you'd like. This, that's going to be fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, and there's another fact, uh, another character that comes into it next week that you're also going to really like for personal reasons. Oh. But we're, we're getting to that next time. Okay. <laughs> yes. Right, okay. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. And I hope you've enjoyed the new sound. New sound? New sound. Oh, seriously, how long did this take? Oh, three years. Yeah. We should do a special episode one day on just the story of us trying to set up a sound <laughs> system that worked. That would be a two hour long episode. I, I was working it out. This is our sixth setup. Really? Yeah. Remember, we've had two of these original mics as well. Because we had the original one. Yeah. Which we're still using up until last episode. What was the very, very first just a mic and a, um, a laptop? Oh, I'd forgotten about that, yeah. So it's even more, that's depressing. <laughs> but yeah, then, then we got a new mic, uh, but that didn't actually improve the sound. No. So that was two. Then number three was the, uh, the snowballer mic. Oh, yeah. It just didn't work. That was with a laptop, wasn't it? Yeah, I still think there was something wrong with the mic. Then we got the um, the Romulus microphone that we thought was the answer to all our prayers uh, with a soundboard and everything. That didn't work. No. Um, We've got those two mics down there, the Shaw mics. Yeah, then we got those two mics and the current recording device, but they had the electronic hum on it. And uh, then finally we got these microphones, and they work. It so, works yeah. so well. Yeah, it's great. So, here we go. Good sound from now on. Way. Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> and something's not gone wrong. Yeah. Great. Okay, then. Don't forget you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and whatever. And you can download us on Podbean, Stitcher, and iTunes. Yes. And um, do reviews and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Send us a message. It's good to hear from you all. Yes, it is. Right. Okay, next time, Michael 3. But until then... They're all withered. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.
please, please, Lord, send me a sign. Send me something to rid me of these fleshy desires. I can't help myself. I'm going to give in. Oh, ah. who are you? <coughs> I am Peter. P- Peter? Oh, wow. It's an honor. Huge fan. Right. Um, you, you, you're answering my prayers. Your carnal desires have been heard. Yeah, sorry about that. I got quite excited when Charity last came through. She's quite a lady. Well, forget that now. I'm here to rid you of your infliction. Wonderful, wonderful. Right. Um, so, uh, what is this? Like three Hail Marys? What, what's the deal here? Not quite. Okay. Uh, do, do I need to, to take something? Do I need to, to pray? What, do, what, Peter? What do I do? I can't cope with this anymore. Are you ready? But, well, yes, but ready for what, Peter? You see my hand. Wow. It is glowing with the light of an angel. It is red hot. Yes, now I can feel the heat from here. Peter, what's the plan? You must remove your garments with haste. Well, you don't have to ask me twice. Okay, right, done. That was very fast. Yes, Valcro, I found that uh, in emergencies uh, just pops off. Anyway, now what? Now you must squat. Squat, you say? Squat. Okay, squatting. And now you will dangle your chaps into my red-hot hand. Right. Ready? A couple of things, Peter. Um, when you say chaps, you, you mean the fellows, don't you? The fellows, yes. You, you, mean, you mean Marcus, Aurelius, and Trajan's column? Indeed. Right. In, in, into your hand. Into my red-hot hand. And, and, and then what? We'll rotate slowly for 20 minutes until heated through. Right, I, I was really thinking of a potion or something. No potion for this. I, I, I've really changed my mind, Peter. You're not allowed. I, 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 you know what? Um, it's, it's fine. You know what? Cardinal Desire's gone. <laughs> all of a sudden. You wouldn't believe how much it's gone. All of a sudden. <laughs> Well, if that's how you think about it, in that case, I'm too late! (laughs)